Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 165. We're your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hey guys, what is up? What's going on? What's the what's the haps? I know Kristen, you have some big plans this weekend. What's going on with you? Yes, so this weekend I am going to be going to Disney California Adventure to see uh, and experience their Halloween decorations and more specifically go to Oogie Boogie Bash. So um, it is their Halloween special event where they basically shut down California Adventure at six o'clock and have uh, only ticketed uh, patrons be able to enjoy the festivities. They have treat trails where they hand out good candy. The first Mm. year that I went, it was like Tootsie Roll nonsense, but now it's like Snickers and uh, peanut butter cups. And they even give like chips i think it's not chips it's um or maybe it was chips last year chips and uh pretzels and for the health conscious there's uh what do you call it uh apples sliced apples and carrots so lots of yummy stuff and they are not uh shy about giving away they give handfuls um sometimes in the beginning they're kind of like here's two here's three but towards the end if you go through they're giving out handfuls so um my nephews my 11 year old nephew and my five-year-old nephew will be attending last year um my the oldest came by himself so this year his little brother is coming uh and so i'm looking forward to that they're dressing up as deadpool and spider-man and i'm dressing up as gwenpool and uh eddie is attempting uh a uh j jonah jameson uh (laughs) oh my god you're gonna have to take pictures i want to see that i want to see everything guys i've never been to the oogie boogie so i i would be so happy to see pictures Uh, yes so we will take pictures and i try to talk my mom into being at may but we settled for a t-shirt with spider-man on it (laughs) (laughs) well at least she's participating which i love (laughs) that is so awesome uh i don't think i've ever seen uh the halloween stuff so one day guys one day i will go and see the halloween stuff i live worth it i live like what 45 minutes away in traffic and i still i've never been but yeah, uh, for Halloween, it used to, I mean, I would go to the best one, which was the Universal City, Universal oh, yeah. Studios, uh, like mazes and stuff like that. And they they dished out the good money to get you oh, scared. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I used to go to before Universal had one. I used to go to the not scary farm because it was the only one in existence. And then that one got a little too rowdy for me. And I guess I just got too old for it. And then I started going to Universal. Uh, and that one, it is good. The production value is definitely way higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I went only once to Not Scary Farm. And I was, no, 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 I'm sorry. I went one to Not Scary Farm. And then another time I went to the Six, Fla- Six Flags one. Mm-hmm. And I was really disappointed because there were people that, 
escape quote unquote the asylum and they had on their jumpers their their you know their I guess what is it their uniform within mm-hmm. the asylum it said Gotham Asylum and mm-hmm. I was like that's not right it's Arkham get it right <laughs> so I never went again <laughs> incredible and I actually got in a little dispute with one of the quote unquote uh people that ran away from Gotham Asylum I was uh-huh. like I'm sorry but isn't it Arkham Asylum and he's like it's Gotham Asylum and I was like no nah, bitch it's it's Arkham and he was like Gotham and I was like Arkham oh my god <laughs> I know and I was like why am I arguing with this actor really <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but I haven't done any Halloweeny stuff at parks at all um and then of course COVID and forget it I never I just never did I just did those twice and that was it I didn't pursue that it just got too crowded you yes. Know? yes. Yeah. I was just like, we would go like uh, after Halloween or the week before Halloween. That's why we're going in September. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because or else it's too crowded. Yep. It really is. I I know, right? Although I I do I remember. And this is how I knew that the Universal Studios one was the best one. Because I remember going in a maze. And I've never really been scared of Halloween because I always had to be like the older sister. Um, uh, But in this one, I remember going through it. And like a couple lines down, I didn't know this at the time, but they'd like place actors in the line as well. Oh, what? I didn't know that. Universal Studios does. I didn't know this. So as I was going through this, like a person like, you know, popped up and I was just so like, I was like, okay. And (laughs) then behind him, another person darted out, grabbed somebody in the crowd. And like the, the person that they were with screamed. And then she was like, oh my God. And then the person got taken. And I was just like, is that real? (laughs) Did that just happen? Did I just witness a murder? What's going on? And I was like, and then like once she started screaming, everybody started screaming because they thought that was going to happen to them. But no, then later, once we were out of it and like, I was just like, oh, they were probably like part of the part of the maze. They probably just throw them in every once in a while. Um, uh, But it freaked me the fuck out. Like I love some (laughs) genuine levels of like I genuinely felt fear and I was like trying to like rush out. Uh, when that happened but then it was only afterwards I was just all like oh no that's part of the maze and I was just like oh okay so so they know what they're doing (laughs) and (laughs) that sounds cool though that actually I I dig that that that'd be cool yeah no Universal Studios like they really do put in like the product they also have all the rights to like the monsters and stuff like that the the iconic ones Universal Monsters yeah Dracula and Swamp not Swamp Thing uh Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. Frankenstein, so they have, Werewolf, Wolfman. Mm-hmm. So they always have like something themed around that too, and like they like their costume and makeup. I don't know if they raid like their own like Universal Studios, like where they film or whatever, but they're like really fucking good. Yeah, man. I mean, they have to be. It's Universal Studios. They have to be good. The makeup has to be on point. But yeah, so I mean, pre-Halloween, guys, I mean, happy pre-Halloween. So I'm excited. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So um, I can't wait to see pictures, Kristen, for sure. Okay.
All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana, and Jen has some chisme for us today. Yes, I mean, well, I mean, it's Twitter, so you know what? You take anything on Twitter as chisme, because it really fucking is until it's out on an official outlet. But uh, one of the things rolling around on the internet on Twitter is that Kiki Palmer has expressed interest in playing Rogue. And it's really funny because it was just someone who was like, I guess is a fan of Kiki Palmer and they were just all like, hey, you know what I would like really like to see her in? I would like to see her as Rogue. And then she like quoted it and she was just like, hey, like Marvel hit me up or stuff like that. <laughs> and then it's just been gaining a lot of traction. Um, and a lot of people like really want to see it. And uh, I was all like, oh, you know what? Yes, I would like to see this. Give it to me. I want to see Kiki Palmer as Rogue. Absolutely. That sounds really, really cool and interesting. Um, I've only seen her in Hustlers, but she has been in a bunch of movies, uh, including Medea, one of the Medea movies. They're always fun to watch. Um, so that was pretty good cheese made. Hopefully they contact her and make that a reality because that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. And it's just like the, the like quote has gotten a lot of like likes and retweets as well. So there's definitely like people are interested in that. People can see her as Rogue. So I think that's really cool. But also it's like one Kiki Palmer is now like she's she's a like actress, singer, songwriter, and she's a, um, an entertainer. But she's also a meme like she has been a meme for a long, long time, but like in a good way. Uh, so it's just it just made it even funnier for me uh, knowing that she wanted to be rogue. And I was just all like. <laughs> I, I just thought of the five million memes that I've seen that focus Kiki Palmer, and I was just like, you know what? Yes. I Is want there to an X Men film on the horizon with uh, Rogue coming soon? Do we know now that X Men no. is officially part of the MCU? Um, what is it like? Um, uh, at D twenty three, they announced some Marvel series, right? And they said that they were going to make a Fantastic Four movie. Yes, Fantastic Four. They did talk about that. Yeah. So they're having a Fantastic Four movie. I think they are going to probably move on to an X Men movie. Didn't the they? Thing there's is, also some chisme of uh, uh, Exposito. I forgot his name. Um, he's going to, he's in talks to be Professor X. Oh. Giancarlo wow. Esposito. Oh, yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I skimmed through it. So I don't know if it's like, I mean, it's obviously cheese, but I'm not sure if it's like actual real talks to be Professor X in the next reiteration of an X-Men movie uh, as Giancarlo Esposito as Professor X. So I don't know, man, maybe it is in the talks. Mm -hmm. Well, also, guys, we got the Little Mermaid trailer that dropped just recently, and it looks freaking amazing. And Haley Berry... Haley Bailey. 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 Oh my God. I, you know, I thought to myself, I'm not going to say it wrong. And I still said it wrong. Haley Berry. <laughs> Haley Bailey. Uh, she is playing Ariel and her voice is freaking amazing. So freaking enchanting and beautiful. And that teaser just got me really, really wanting more. I just cannot wait to see it. Um, there's been some backlash. There's a mil it's hit records in just in its trailer by itself. Uh, One million dislikes uh, for the trailer itself. That's which so 
annoying to you hear. You can't see it, but I want you all to know that I'm rolling my fucking eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I don't understand why people are so negative towards it. It's really a beautiful trailer. Racism. Yep. And I'm just like thinking, you know, if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. I'm just going to watch it 10 times in the theater just to spite you. But <laughs> but um, no, I love this actress. I actually she has a sister and they look alike. So they look like twins and actually they play twins or they used to play twins in Grownish, uh, which is a series that was a spinoff from. Black oh, Age. that's right. That's why she looks so familiar. Yes, <laughs> And they play track stars that, that mm-hmm. got a track scholarship to go to to college and um uh, then we saw a bit less of uh, Haley, and so I was like, "But why?" And it's because she was working on The Little Mermaid. So, um, very excited for her. She has a beautiful voice. Uh, there's been some backlash also because there's this person or something or a a creeper that uh, digitally replaced Haley Berry's image with the uh, Bailey. Haley Bailey. Oh my God. Thank you, guys. If it wasn't for you guys, total fail. But yes, digitally replacing her with the white image. And that was like they got a lot of backlash, which which is well deserved. Um, I you know what I'm focusing on? I'm focusing on all the beautiful Twitter or oh no, wait, TikTok posts of little little girls of color watching the trailer for the first time and just losing their minds. And you could see these beautiful smiles and oh my God, I'm getting so emotional right now because it's it's a new era. It's something just beautiful. And to see them see themselves on this in this trailer in a in a um like loved character in the Disney princess kind of like category. So I'm just really excited for that. I want to make sure that it's not just um, left to the little girls, because I also saw TikToks of little boys watching the trailer and being so enamored. And the look of recognition on all of the kids' faces, regardless if they were little boys or little girls, of recognizing that it was somebody that looked like them. It's just, I'm right there with you, Sarah. I teared up in watching a lot of those videos because people give the the sentence representation matters a lot of lip service, but I don't really think they understand about how much it matters and how much impact it has on these children. So um, I also would love to focus on that positive aspect as well, because um, this, this, reminds me of how the black community came out for Wakanda. And I hope that this movie gets just as much um, hype uh, from the community and people going and seeing it, just like you said, 10 times over um, because uh, the actress deserves it. And um, so does uh, just everyone behind the film uh, making sure that there's representation. Absolutely. I did it. I, you know what? I haven't come across the little boys watching it, but um, yeah, I actually had to stop myself because I was getting too emotional and I was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And, (laughs) you know, just, I mean, it was just such a beautiful moment and it's great that people share this because then we could experience it and I can feel it and I can share in their happiness and their wonder. And, you know, it's just really great. I just think it's fantastic. And I can't wait to see the movie. And it's one of the girls was like in 2023, is it almost 2023? And I was like, yes, baby, yes. <laughs> so we're both happy. It's going to be 2023. We can't wait to watch this film. It's going to be great. 
I, I just mean, actually hope that the storyline is changed. My myself am a Little Mermaid fan just because it's one of those films that came out when I was younger. I I knew the entire soundtrack by heart. I have the CD somewhere. Um, but uh, the storyline is problematic. Yes, uh, it, it is. does talk about a woman, <laughs> yeah. a girl, a girl who gives up her entire livelihood, her entire life to go and be with a man. And uh, in my older years, I looked back on it and recognized that <laughs> and am like, wow, the messaging is really strong. And so I can't actually wait to see if there is some progression in, in the storyline and if they tweak it at all somehow. You know what? You're absolutely right. I mean, a 16 year old girl kind of signing her soul away to like an evil witch just to get legs to change her appearance for mm -hmm. this motherfucker. Anyway, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, no, but I mean, it's endearing to me because I was also um, young when that came out. And that was like my go to like everybody has their Disney princess that they yeah. kind of grew up with. The Little Mermaid yeah. was mine. Mine and then, too. And but then, I was already in high school. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. me too, girl. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I actually we owned um, we owned Cinderella and VHS uh, and uh, but I couldn't identify with her. I just felt she was like not in my time. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was the Little Mermaid. And then I kind of like bled into a little bit of Beauty and the Beast, but not so much. I mean, for me, it was the Little Mermaid. Oh, I Beauty and the Beast is the one for me. Belle yeah. is my princess. Right. Yeah. right? <laughs> and um just uh, I, like you said, Kristen, I know all the songs. I could sing it with her. Oh, I'm going to be singing it with her at, at the 10th time that I go to the theater. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be great. I think it's going to be wonderful. I know that Jen was expressing dislike to any of the live action Disney films. Mm -hmm. but with, like so, In general, yeah. I don't like any of the live action films because I think they're all soulless. Um, um, <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried really hard to like the Beauty and the Beast one. Uh, and I can like uh, I'm a person of intellectual thought, so I can like give praise where it's due. The Cinderella live action movie had beautiful costumes. Oh yeah. Um, um the some of the new music in the Beauty and the Beast um uh, live action was really, really good. Uh I did like some of the new songs. Um the Lion King uh one has really uh incredible uh like art and like actual live uh, animal adaptation onto the screen. I think that was really innovative. I think that I just think they're all soulless. And, <laughs> um, um, but I love that. <laughs> to um, uh, to this one, like I can understand critique of the color um, uh, of like the film itself and how it was very gray. We don't know the context of it. Um, uh, because it is underwater, but I also do, I agree with a lot of the people who say, like, just because it's what underwater, like, this, it's fake, bro. Just like, <laughs> up the saturation a little Put bit a more. Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> just, just up the saturation a little bit more. I don't want to squint when I'm watching a movie because that shit sucks. Um, so I will side with those people. It's just a lot of the backlash that I've seen for the movie is the fact that Haley Bailey is not white. Mm -hmm. And that's just plain old racism. So you know yep. what? I'm going to defend this movie uh, with my life, even though I hate all the live action ones. <laughs> but like, I just I know when 
critique is valid. And I know when it's just straight up hatred and racism, and this is what this one is mostly facing. And it's just like, if you, if it really bugs you that much, but you can't say exactly why, it's because you're, you know, you know why. You just don't want to say you racist. <laughs> like, yeah, you racist. Just like, like if you, if I can tell you why I don't like it, and it's not going to be that it's Haley Bailey. It's the fact that I think it's soulless. I think that they should put more effort into their animation. I think that if they are going to go this live action route, then they should be more fantastical with it. They should really push what they can do with VFX artists and pay them fucking decently so that they do a good goddamn job. I can tell you why. And it's not about Haley Bailey. So it's like, you really, you like, if you. If you have no good critique, shut your mouth. Like, <laughs> like, calladito te ves más bonito. <laughs> I love that. Calladito te ves más bonito. That is a great <laughs> ending statement for this segment. I love it. I love the passion, Jen. It's wonderful. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what do you have on your radar? So On My Radar this week is, surprise, surprise, who is who am I? What is my life? A DC book. Oh, oh. It is, <laughs> it is um, Batman versus Robin. <gasps> and uh, versus Robin, you're asking? Yes. So it is Batman versus Robin. Uh, Number one came out this week and it is written by Mark Wade and uh, it is uh, Robin. It is uh, Damien. So it is actually Ooh. his biological son, son. and wow. they are at each other's throats. And in number one, apparently this book is taking um, a lot of story cues from um, Batman Superman World's Finest. And that is also being written by Mark Wade right now. Um, I only read the first issue of that one, which I did like, but so I don't really know what the storyline has gone to, but spoiler alert, close your ears, turn off, uh, turn down the volume if you don't want to know. But um, back uh, in some uh, DC storylines, Alfred is dead. Uh, he died. He was oh, killed. No. And so um, that is important to know going into Batman Superman uh, and uh, the reason why it is versus Robin. So Robin is basically coming out and being like, dude, you've had the mantle too long. It is rightfully mine. Um, and I want it now. Uh, it's take, you're taking too long to, to heal die. off. <laughs> I'm going to help you along. So that's basically where we see, but in reading the first issue, you, you kind of get the idea that maybe Robin is not operating under his own volition. Okay. Like there might be some other kind of powers or something at work. Um, so, uh, of course, you know that he is the grandson of Ra's al Ghul. So there is some demonic type stuff going on there um, that could possibly be affecting him. But I will not give away the super secret special um, 
surprise that happens in issue one, but a lot of people will actually probably be very happy. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I read it for um, another show that I do for the shop on Tuesday and was surprised, pleasantly surprised. I read it because I'm I'm really coming along to becoming more of a Damien uh, Wayne fan, um, saltiness and all. And I used to just think he was a little brat and he's very bratty. <laughs> he's extra bratty in this. But now that I know a little bit more about his past and his um, his, uh, uh, history. I mean, unless we not forget that literally he was raised to kill Batman. Like mm-hmm. that was the whole thing of the Razagul, um, of the, uh, of the Agul family, <laughs> the <Ghoul laughs> family. I don't even know how, how to say it correctly, but so it, that was what kind of got me interested too, uh, is kind of like a playback on that whole original uh, theme. So um, the artist is Muhammad Azrar. Uh, and I really enjoyed the art. I really enjoyed the story. Mark Wade, if you are local to Los Angeles, will be signing for this book on September 18th. No, sorry, September 28th at Heidi Ho Comics. But he'll also sign anything else you bring for him. He'll be there from um, four to six. But definitely check out Batman versus Robin number one. That sounds really awesome. Does do you know what at what age Damien is? Uh, is he still I, like twelve? He still looks tiny. Yeah, okay. I think he's still young. I I don't think they really age him comics. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm just asking because if he's fifteen, then the math checks out. What math? The fact that he's being bratty and being. Uh, <laughs> he's, just, he's always been a bratty. Like. He always has been. He's very entitled. Uh, and uh, it's just so. But you guys know, because you read it, too. I really started enjoying him more as a character after we read Beast Boy Loves Raven. Um, I really enjoyed him in that book. And I know it's not canon. So but still, the book did a lot for me towards making uh, me more of a fan um so that's that that is my uh what's on my radar that's pretty freaking awesome i like that the 28th what day is that is that a wednesday a wednesday yes darn it every time (laughs) (laughs) um what is on my radar is daniel calvo is coming out with his uh tenoch stop it (laughs) (laughs) number two or if, or if you would prefer the um, Tenok number two, uh, his second issue uh, is coming out, is dropping, the Kickstarter is dropping September the 23rd. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I think you could sign on to get early uh, notifications via email that of the campaign and when it's going to be live. So uh, that's Tenok number two by Daniel Calvo uh, through Concrete Comics. And that is the number issue number two dropping on Kickstarter September 23rd. So I can't wait to read more about that story. And that's what's on my radar. All right, guys, what time is it? Es la hora de la cervecita. All right. What are you drinking today, girls? Today we're drinking Dr. Juice. It is a beer, a IPA that comes to us all the way from Louisiana uh, from when Sarah went on her um, New Orleans uh, tour. And it is 
I thought it was hazy, but I guess I misread that. It just is an IPA and it is a 6.0 ABV. Uh, it's canned by Parish Brewing Company and uh, it's, I won't share what the notes are until you guys taste it. So I will, um, I'll let you um, smell it and drink it. And then I'll tell you what the brewery says it's supposed to taste like. All right. So uh, yes, like she said, I got this in New Orleans and it's called Dr. Juice and it has like a tie dye kind of cover. So it looks like psychedelic. So Dr. 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 Juice, won't you help me, Dr. Juice? <laughs> Is that a real song? Mm. Um, the Miami Sound Machine had a Dr. 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 Beat. Won't you help me, Dr. Uh, Beat? Okay. I just used that beat with Dr. Juice. Got it. Come on, Kristen. I wasn't a Miami Sound Machine person. Oh, I totally was. <laughs> okay, so already it's not heavy. And I mm -hmm. think that's because it's from New Orleans. Well, Louisiana. Um, and Why? I think because it's so hot over there, you need it to be nice and cool. So it's not too heavy on your tummy. It's something you could drink well in hot weather. So I'm already feeling like the brewing style had a, has a lot to do with the weather because it's not heavy at all. And it's like really So light. you didn't experience any heavy IPAs while you were there? Not local stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is really light. I drink a lot of Parish. I didn't drink this one on tap, though. I don't think they had this one on tap. They have a lot of craft brews over there. Um, in fact, I brought a uh, Black is Beautiful can from... Uh, Louisiana from a local brewery, but I have that for us to taste um, when we do a beer share when we're all together. But um, it's sitting there waiting for you guys. But this one I actually got, um, I think I, I got this one on Bourbon Street, on a liquor store on Bourbon Street, um, because you're able to walk around with um, alcohol and beer and stuff like that um, in, in New Orleans, that uh, there's a lot of availability to buy like craft beer at local liquor stores. Mm -hmm. And so nice. I, ended up, I ended up buying like three different ones. Um, but Frank and I had some, um, what, when we would get back to the room and relax, we would have a few. So the ones that I actually kept for our podcast was Dr. Juice. And I just thought it was pretty interesting because of the can colors and everything. So it is very psychedelic. Yes. So I'm tasting pineapple. Mm. It has a, it has definitely sweet notes. It has absolutely no sour notes at all. Um, it's really refreshing and it's not heavy at all. Like I said, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with, uh, the lightness. Um, and I, I'm reading what it says it's supposed to taste like, and I'm, I'm trying to like, what uh, it looks like to oh, looks find those flavors. And actually after it has sat on my tongue for a while, I do taste some of them. Um, but it's very light. It's very, um, mm. fruity, um, without yes. reading what the fruit was, I couldn't really place it. But once mm. I read it, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, um, there is, um, there is a, a hoppy back end. But not overpowering. Not, no, it's uh, it's juicy. Yeah, it's definitely. And actually, now, um, yeah, now that I see that it's not, <laughs> excuse me, hazy, uh, it could be because it is. It's super, super juicy, and I can. I'm 
watching Jen pour it into the glass and it looks hazy, actually. Mm-hmm. It has a golden, really golden hue, really bright. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it does, like yeah. you said, have a hazy view of it. It doesn't, yeah. So, it's not as hazy as some other hazy IPAs, but it's also very much not clear. So Yeah. So mm-hmm. definitely summer drinking. I think you're right. And I, I'm interested to know more about the cultural brewing of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana beers um, with regards to the heat and the humidity there. So it makes perfect sense what you're saying. So I'd be interested to try more to see if we find that to be true across the board. So the brewery, uh, Parish Brewing Company, says that the aroma and the taste are full of passion fruit, papaya, Mm -hmm. and blood orange. I Uh, definitely do taste a blood orange. mm. There's a little rindy kind of like aftertaste. Yeah. Citrusy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not much of the bitterness of the blood orange at all. Yeah. Um, And I'm not a papaya fan. Me either. (laughs) But I don't taste it. And I think I did. I tasted the papaya after it sat on my tongue for a while. And I kind of was like, like moving my tongue across the roof of my mouth, I tasted it. It wasn't bad because I'm not a fan, but I could taste it, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, yeah it, it tastes like the, like the sweetness that you get from, like, because papaya has like kind of a sticky sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of tastes like that. Yeah, you know, if I had known it had papaya, I would not have picked it up. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really glad that I did because... Well, it doesn't have papaya. Those are just the, the, the taste, notes that the notes. taste. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. h- however, I am not getting that overpowering papaya thing because I un- honestly do not like papaya, but yeah. I do love blood orange. Whenever I go to get, uh, what, is, what are they called? Bionicos? Uh-huh. I always tell them to take the papaya out. <laughs> yes, 100%. Me too. Yeah. I'm like, don't even try to put it in there. No, gracias. <laughs> Tampoco quiero coco, okay? Oh, no, I cannot get behind you on that. How are we friends? I know, right? Um, But no, I mean, I'm getting really refreshing notes. Oh, I feel it now. You know what? You opened Hmm. your beer like a lot sooner than I did. Yeah, I think it's after it's it's a while you can taste the papaya on the roof Mm -hmm. of your mouth. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I'm getting Mm -hmm. it now. You know, like it's been open for a little bit. But yeah, no, I could I could taste it. It's sort of like a kind of a. kind of a creamy consistency on the roof of your mouth a little bit not too much it's funny that you are saying that because one of the notes that is was actually given is that um where did i just see it uh that it is i just read it somewhere and now i'm not eating now i it's like i just made it up out of the uh off the top of my head (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well oh here it is that um somebody made a note on it that said it becomes more tropical as it opens oh mm-hmm. okay so exactly nice. what you're saying ah as it opens mm-hmm. it's like may the uh what is it what does the freaking handmaid's tale say may the lord open or something like that oh, it's been so long since i, I know it's it been a lot it. anyway so it got note, to be too heavy for me yeah, no, side note, new uh, season's coming in soon. Yeah, 
So yeah. um, anyway, I am really enjoying this. I had a lot of different parish beer uh, while I was in New Orleans because we would always, I mean, it was so hot. We just would go into any <laughs> random like bar and just order whatever was on tap. And we were like, just give us whatever's like from New Orleans. We don't want anything from other places. We're here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We want to taste what you guys brew. And we'll so take a stone. <laughs> I'm not going to take a stone. I could take that anywhere. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm really, I'm really happy with this. I thought, you know, honestly, I thought I would be disappointed only because like I blindly picked it up because it was towards the end of our trip and it was like the last, um, the last, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, liquor store that we went to. And then my nose started gushing. So I just picked up. Oh, when I say gushing, my nose was bleeding. Yeah. So um, I just grabbed my hand. I had a handkerchief and I just put it on my nose and I'm like, grab me those. And I was just telling Frank, get up two of those, get one of those. And, you know, like, so then, and then we took off. Um, but yeah. And I was like, I didn't really put much thought into it other mm. than I had tasted Paris before on tap during the trip. Uh, but I hadn't had the doctor juice and it's not disappointing at all. As a matter of yeah, fact, it's really good. I, as a matter of fact, I think it's enhanced tasting it here in California because it's no longer as hot as it used to. <laughs> so yes. I think, I think just that yes. alone is a compliment to this, the flavor notes in this beer. Yeah. So I think we're ready to actually rate it. What is our rating scale, Kristen? So we have a five-point rating scale. Um, we have very unsatisfied. That's like when you're about to get busy and they take their um, their pants or bottoms off and their whole their chonies are holy. Very Ooh, unsatisfied. Holy chonies. No. Holy chonies. <laughs> Look, unless you're wearing crotchless panties, I don't want to see it. <laughs> Two out of five is unsatisfied it's not as bad as holy chonies but like maybe they wear like like ankle socks or something with their tennis shoes like no and some people are into that (laughs) not me (laughs) then we have neutral like okay their dress was fine they they were fine nothing special you'll get it anyway because you're there i guess so (laughs) then neutral three out of five um, four out of five is satisfied. So like it was good. You may even call back for seconds. And then five out of five, very satisfied. You're going to do three rounds right then and there. So I, oh, and then don't forget Super Saiyan six out of five. Um, if you are like just out of this world with your rating. Um, and this is Kristen. I'm going to start, I'm going to go with very satisfied. I'm going to give it a five out of five. Um, I really liked it. The longer, um, I tasted it and played around with it in my mouth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it really did develop and evolve. So, and it's very, very light. And, um, I am all about that right now with this heat wave, we're coming out the, the back end of it. So it's kind of gone. But over the summer, I was finding it very difficult to drink beers because they just filled me up and they made me feel so hot and uncomfortable. But this is a good summer drinking beer, even if you are in humid Louisiana or L.A. County in summer 2022. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm going to say very satisfied as well. Like, um, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's exactly how you read as as you take you're drinking it the flavor notes do open 
may the Lord open. Um, and <laughs> it does. Um, and I, like I said, I could feel like the papaya, like on the roof of my mouth, that it is kind of a, like a, a creamy consistency, but it's not overpowering and it's not disgusting. Like, I really appreciate that. It's like different levels of taste. And I really like that. What about you, Jen? Uh, I am really enjoying it because, because it, it, it like barely tastes like an IPA. Or no, actually, no, let me, I think this is how IPAs should taste like, (laughs) because because it does have the hops, it has like the the hazy, like looking texture on it. But whenever they say like the juicy IPA, this is what I want it to taste like. Yeah. I want I want to get that fruit flavors and like the full fruit notes. I want to get fruitier as I'm drinking it. Yeah. I want to have, I want to hold a rainbow in my hand. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like this one, like with its psychedelic can and everything. And it, it's, it really is very flavorful. It's really tasty. It's juicy. It's, it's very, very flavorful. And I like it. So I'm going to give it, I'm honestly debating between a four and a five. But I think the fact that I'm almost halfway done with it, a five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. It's a five. Excellent. I love, you know what? I'm, I'm really not, this has really knocked my socks off because I honestly, like I said, I didn't think it was going to be very good. I just got it off a whim. I wasn't even, I didn't even read anything because I was in such a hurry to get out of there. And I'm just glad that it hit all the good marks. And even though the can is a little, you know, uh, a little Jerry, uh, what was the guy from Grateful Dead? Jerry Garcia. Garcia. Yeah, it's a, it's a little Jerry Garcia, but it just really hits the spot. <laughs> I, I really love that. All right, guys, it's now time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, girls? Today we are reviewing a young adult uh, all ages book called Getting Dizzy. It is written by Shay Fontana and drawn by Celia Moscote. Uh, Gloria Martinelli is the colorer. And uh, it is about Dizzy, a 15-year-old who wants to be the best. The best at what? She hasn't figured that out just yet. When one idea after another fails, she's ready to even give up her roller skating until the Negatrixes attack. Under the mantle, the Burb Defender, Dizzy finally has a chance to be the best, but only with the help of her skating crew, Chipper, Scarlet, Peyton, and Ave. First, she'll need to learn how to use her colorful powers endowed by the blaster bracelet, helmet of help, and speed-enhanced skates. But in order to save Roosburg from the negative negatrix energy that's flooding the town, she'll also need to overcome her own self-doubt and her emerging chosen one complex. So this book here is um, by Boom Studio, uh, sorry, Boombox, which is an imprint of Boom Studios. And um, it came out in single issues. Um, I got the first issue, I think maybe the first two, and then I stopped ordering it because it didn't really hit with anybody. But um, we generally don't really do well with all ages um, or what. YA single issues. So when I saw that it came out in trade, I went ahead and got it. And if either of you don't recognize the name Celia Moscote, she is Wait. the. <laughs> I know, yeah, I was just so like, I know that name. 
But keep she's going. the artist from Juliet Takes a Breath. So oh, the Gabby okay. Rivera uh, book that was written, um, it was uh, not translated. What is it? It was a regular novel into mm-hmm. a comic. So, yes. um, and we read that one and we reviewed it. And she was the artist. And if you actually look at the art in here, you would recognize it very much because the art is, I mean, it's her, it's her art. It's a hundred percent the same. <laughs> um, so um, I recognized that name and I was like, oh yeah, I want to read it. And then, so when I saw that, I, I went ahead and got it for us to read. So um, I definitely have my thoughts and ideas on it though. But Sarah, I always like to hear what you have to say about yes. the books. Oh my God. Well, I was like, okay, uh, YA, well, why not? Right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, the art was so captivating and so dynamic. I don't know if you guys uh, realize, I mean, for me, it's really hard to like draw action sequences. And there's a lot of action here, like from her falling Mm. off her skates and from her um, just moving like there's a constant movement in this art which I really really love the colorful aspects of it are amazing Um, but I really like Dizzy Dizzy is not like the perfect person Um, she um, she knows she's destined for greatness but she doesn't know where the greatness is going to come from so she's kind of like uh, trying to be like a jack of all trades master of none where she like takes up soccer, she takes up skating, she takes up the violin, she takes up, you know, the guitar, you know, ballet and all of that. But she is is just not hitting it. Like everything, there's some issue with her that she just doesn't, can't get past it or can't fall in love with the project she wants to do. But she, uh, she kind of falls in love with it, the idea of it, but the execution really falls short. And you see that um, at the beginning. And I, and I kind of like related to that, like, like you want to find your way. Uh, but I like the fact that she knows she's destined for greatness. So that was pretty cool. Um, but then she has a lot of self-doubt too. And that I could totally relate with. Like, she knows she's destined for greatness, but she can't get behind herself. She can't Mm -hmm. get behind, like, elevating herself. Or, like, she has this misplaced, like, sense of going to be grand, but she can't even believe in herself. Like, it's such a contradiction, but it makes sense in this character. And I think it makes a a lot of sense in a lot of us, you know? Um, It's something that we can't always, like, admit you know and so when she meets up with these girls and they all have different and you know what i love about this uh peyton she actually she made a joke she's like oh, <laughs> I, uh yeah you know i just came from i think seattle yeah i just came from seattle and i left my arm there and she says that because she doesn't have part of her arm um so and you know they don't make a big deal about it and so she breaks the ice by making a joke about it and i love the fact that they include like someone with like something like that with the kind mm-hmm. of a disability um and she's like oh i must have left it in seattle like talking about her arm so one of the things that i like about this book is just the fact that they use a lot of like beautiful like beautifully written um misworded catchphrases and also love the fact that a lot of the stuff is like kind of um supported by comedy not comedy but like 
what is it? It's not comedy, but like lightheartedness, I guess. Uh-huh. And I, it just that to me uh, feels like it's really great writing where you can propel a story, but also have a lot of character development and the camaraderie between the characters from comedy or from a sense of um, God, somebody help me out. It's not comedy. It's more like uh, lightheartedness, like making a joke out of uh, something. So I really, really love that. And um, another thing that I really like about Dizzy is um, there is a point um, in the story where Dizzy feels a lot of self-doubt and also a lot of like jealousy. And it's almost like she was trying to build herself up from kind of putting somebody else down. And I feel like some of us fall in the trap to do that. Um, I know it had a lot to do with the Nagatrix, but I think that's also a reflection of how the human condition is. And so I kind of felt like it's sort of teaching the reader a lesson with not being so like strict about it. Like it's letting you know, like, yes, we all fall into that condition where we will make fun of somebody else just to bring ourselves up or to make ourselves feel better but it's not okay and it's okay to like realize that and learn from it and better yourself from it and I really like that so and I mean all the characters have their own aspects and they're all really cool and I really really liked it and I just thought there's a lot of really great lessons in here including one of the ones that was from I think it was from uh, Chipper Diaz Chipper Diaz is sort of like a, more of a, a older character in the in the book, and she's supposed to kind of like be mentoring or uh, showing Desi how to be like the burb defender, the chosen one. Um, and then there was a rant she went into about like how people talk about um, uh, giving a um, participation trophy to everybody and how everybody's you know, talking about it and not being good about it. And then she goes into a nice, like, long description on why she is a fan of giving everybody a participation medal. And I, you know what? She made me a convert. Like, I was like, (laughs) I was like, I hate participation medals, like, blah, blah, blah. But having her describe why she feels that it's, it's, it's a good choice. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, she's, she has a point. So, I mean, I love the fact that this book, as lighthearted and as fun as it is to read, has some little droplets of lessons. And I learned from it, even though I'm 46. <laughs> I'm not the demographic at all. You know? Yeah. No, the book is the book is wonderful. And I think you covered a lot of what is like really good about it. Uh, the artwork, I mean, I actually when I didn't even look at who was the artist. But it makes sense that it was uh, Celia Moscote because I recognized it. But mm-hmm. also, I kind of, Boombox has a certain style. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I was just like, oh, yeah, this fits with the Boombox style, mm-hmm. which is a kind of like, um, uh, like not super cartoony, but along there, very yeah. bright, very um, uh, pastel y, and very clean uh, mm-hmm. in a way of speaking. Um, and it's, yeah, I, as uh, Kristen said, it is like their YA stuff, uh, and it reminded me of Slam and a yeah. bit of like yeah, um, uh, the art in uh, Giant Days too. Like this is like a more toned, even more toned down, fantastical mm-hmm. Giant Days. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a fun read. 
admittedly for like kind of like the first half of the book i was not super into it because it was a very it was very much a ya premise uh like girl is just like she's just casually on her way and then all of a sudden these things appear and she's like the chosen one or whatever and i'm like oh okay no build up cool um <laughs> good for good for kids who have no attention span but i'm not a child um uh, but as i kept reading it i one started liking uh desideria more and i could see like where the story was going to and there was a specific twist about three quarters of the way in that i thought was like really poignant it was really good and i think it was really well done um uh, and i think overall this book is what are what are those little things called again Negatrixes. Negatrixes. Yeah. So the is they're like these like weird little alien creatures who feed off of bad vibes, basically. Yes. And so they try to cause people to have bad vibes. Uh, and I, at first I was just all like, oh, how original. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get I mean, it though, I get it's, it. It's YA. Yes. Um, uh, I, there's a reason I don't read it anymore. It's because... And, like, I don't mind cliches. I don't mind tropes. That's what makes the literary world turn round and round. But <laughs> sometimes when it's very obvious, I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, uh, and I thought that this was where this was going. But, no, it did have a unique twist. And I think, in the end, it really did, uh, if not endear me exactly to Desideria, it made me see her point of view as like a teenager who was struggling uh and trying to like kind of find her place uh and that did uh, that made me understand her more and then like her more um yes um, yes because i mean teenagers are annoying like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like they're they're funny as fuck like don't get me wrong i like teenagers are some of the funniest people out there because they have developed thought and expression they just have not developed yet the uh, kind of social cues to know when not to say something. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's why they're so 100%. irritating, and that's why they sound. They always like are like, oh, I know more, and it's just they haven't reached that level of thought yet. Where it's just like you realize, oh, I don't know shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like you say, which I love. Less is more. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but uh like once once you like once i got over that i i started enjoying the book a lot more and i think it, it has a really nice message and i think it's i mean it's something that most young adults can relate to so i i ended up liking it so this is kristen and um i had not remembered what the book was about i remember reading the first issue but wasn't really um it wasn't coming straight back to me when I got the book. And so when I started reading, I was like, oh yeah, now I remember. And I also remember thinking uh, that, and now that I've read the whole book, it kind of continued on. Um, I feel like the age given to Dizzy is not the age that I got from the way the book was written. I really feel like this is more of a middle age book so eight to 12. Um, I'm, I mean, and she could still be 15, but I, st I, I feel like the way that it was written was to a much younger crowd. Um, yeah. And, middle school age. Yeah. Middle school, which is um, even worse. 
middle schoolers are more awful. (laughs) And I also feel the way she was written. She was not 15. I remember what I was doing when I was 15. Uh, And it it didn't seem to be. I don't know if I'm the outlier. You're the outlier, Kristen. But I feel like you were part of the norm. But (laughs) yeah, the stories you told us of what you were doing at 15. I mean, damn. (laughs) Um, and it wasn't going to the skate park to, to skate and what, you know, at 15, you're already like, you know, getting angsty and like, you know, liking the boys or girls or whatever, whatever the case may be. Sneaking whiskey from your parents' liquor cabinet. (laughs) That might not have been you, but that was me. (laughs) And so I felt that, um, also the same thing that you um Jen was that we jumped right into it with with no there wasn't a lot of um build up ground lane build up for me to even care about what was happening with Dizzy in the beginning I did start to um appreciate the character and I still and I do think the whole entire book really wrapped up nicely around this whole um people are going to be negative but you got to have some self awareness and calm that shit down (laughs) because it affects other people. That's Mm. the message that it had. And which was like how you were saying, Sarah, one of the friends, I don't remember which one it was. It was like, it was hard to tell sometimes, was it the negatrix or was it just the basic human condition? (laughs) Right. Right. And that was Ave, Ave, which is one of my favorite characters actually. So, and then they, he, um, there was the whole Julio uh, thing where finally at the end, there was kind of a resolution, but I felt like that was kind of like underdeveloped. That is actually my, my, I think my overall takeaway is I feel like the whole entire story was underdeveloped. Um, I did enjoy um, where it could have gone or, you know, where it went here. I do kind of um, think that it was a cute book. Um, and I would definitely recommend it for eight to 12 year olds. Probably. I probably wouldn't go to high school at all much, uh, maybe 13, but, um, I really love some of the boombox stuff. I like all of the boombox stuff actually. And I was a little bit disappointed here. Um, the writing just seemed not, like I said, fully developed and maybe it just needed more issues. Maybe that's something uh, that could have uh, could. I mean, the story did wrap up nicely, but that's the thing. It's like I felt like things were rushed to wrap up the story. Um, I mean, I could totally see that. Definitely. So um, I did like that Dizzy was um, a a character of color and most of her friends were uh, people who were marginalized. I did enjoy that there was representation there. Um, And um, I, like I said, I I enjoyed the theme of um, negativity and and the, uh, I don't want to give up too much away from the story, but um, there was, there's a time where Dizzy herself has to be like, was it? me or was it a negatrix that caused me to act this way right and to really like do some deep soul searching around that so um and then at the end this has been out for a while we get a freaking cliffhanger yes so, yep. <laughs> yes so, and i haven't seen any other 
issues. And also it was like during the pandemic, probably when, um, because there was a, there was a, a, a reference to a super spreader event in here. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this was developed and written within the last two years. So um, maybe somehow that has prohibited more issues from coming out because I haven't seen them mm-hmm. um, because that was my other thing. I was like, what the heck happened to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that you're a little bit upset about Julio's story being underdeveloped, but I actually like the fact that it was underdeveloped because there are more more of the stories about girls and young girls like having crushes and unrequited love and all this shit and it gets like boring like i know we like guys or you know have love interests but it doesn't have to take over the entire story (laughs) (laughs) like i I, yeah and exactly that a hundred percent true which is why i was like if you're if it's not gonna go anywhere then why even bring it up yeah thing you know, but maybe because like there you was said, a, yeah, there maybe. was a, a part, a point in the story where it looked like he was going to go with Ave or be with, I don't no, know what Scarlet, the other one's name is. Scarlet. Scarlet. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, and then, so that's what it looked like. But then I was like, well, is the writer just trying to portray that, that boys and girls can be friends and it doesn't have to be um, romantic. So I wasn't sure. I just, there was, he was a character, but uh, I, I I also agree with you and appreciate when the storyline does not revolve around a girl's crush on whoever it may be, right? Boy, girl, whatever. So um, I um, I did think that um, I mean I know you're saying you liked it; it was underdeveloped because, and I agree with that that it doesn't always have to be about a love interest but like you said before it was written probably during the pandemic and maybe they were trying to wrap up the story and maybe that was something that was going to be farther developed and just didn't get a chance to so i mean there's that question but overall i think i think it was i, I really liked it myself um i like the characters uh yes the cliffhanger did leave me like oh my gosh and the fact that you're saying that they came out some time ago and we haven't seen anything new it's sort of like last um, last one we we read where it was also kind of a cliffhanger and there's so many other stories that we needed to hear from or other aspects of the story we needed to be developed. But um, and also what I think when you're saying that this should be more like of a of a like a, a like eight years old to like maybe 13 instead of 16, I get that totally. But it's sort of like when they do like uh sabrina the teenage witch like the ninth the 1990s version of it it was like she's what 16 or whatever but they were marketing to like the younger audience kind of thing so i think it's sort of like it's the same way where they're like writing a character that's at 16 or 15 but they're pretty much really marketing it to like eight nine ten year olds kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah so i kind of montana or whatever Out of curiosity, I went to look and Getting Dizzy number one came out in November 2021. Okay. So the end of the first year of crazy. Uh, No, second year. 2020 was the first year. Um, And then the number two came out in December. 
Then number three came out in January and number four came out in February. So it actually was not too long ago. Um, it did start last year and then ended this year. And February was the last issue, but the it took all the way until July for this trade to come out. Okay. Wow. Well, all right. Well, now we know the facts. Um, are we ready to actually- And it's only four issues. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're ready to read it. Yes. Um, um, I'll go okay. first this time around. Um, okay. I'm gonna give it one concha. Uh, this is not in any way. I mean, you're still you're still getting one concha. You still did something worthy of a one concha. Um, uh, <laughs> I think that's very kind of me. Um, uh, <laughs> it is. Um, I did end up enjoying it. I think the message is nice. I think this is definitely a book for your middle school child um maybe a 14 year old um uh, 14 and under uh that's why i would recommend this maybe not exactly in elementary school but definitely middle school like maybe first second year of high school um uh, but it's not for me uh a lot of it was like some of it was relatable but a lot of it i was just all like i know i wasn't like this <laughs> Um, I I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, because like, like I said, like it's very cute. It's a very clean. It's it it's really really nice. And I think like one, if you're a good parent and you've raised your child right, so you're not doing what I was doing when I was in high school, uh, or what Kristen was doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then this is a good book for your kid. Um, uh, but personally, for me. It's it's not my style. Um, uh, so one concha for me. I mean, watch the movie Thirteen and then tell me. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> Why did? Oh my god! That's such a great contradiction right there. Oh my god! Like I was I wasn't doing what she was doing at thirteen. At thirteen, uh -huh. <laughs> not even yeah. at fifteen. I'm not. I wasn't that girl. Yeah. At all, I was very. Well, sheltered. All I'm saying is that there are thirteen-year-olds that are. Yes. And other 13-year-olds know it. And with the mm -hmm. inception of the internet, there like we had we had a parent come in the other day and didn't want um to buy some book because of violence or sex or I don't remember what it was. And after they left, I was like, you know, the ironic thing is that the per the child is probably looking at way worse on the internet. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Sure. Well, so. I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't have internet when I was a kid because I would have been really fucked up if I did. Yeah, I, I think grounded. I think a lot of the like disparity <laughs> that so I what I don't understand about Gen Z is that like I kind of grew up with the internet, um, uh, but like not I didn't get really super into the internet until like late middle school, early high school. So a lot mm -hmm. of my like elementary school and like some of and some of middle school was still very like out of the internet because you still couldn't some families didn't have internet wi-fi yeah. was like barely a concept right um, yeah um, and uh if you like some people or they just didn't straight up are like i didn't have a computer i didn't mm -hmm. have a cell phone until i was like 16 or 17 mm -hmm. so it was um uh, but my my little sister my little brother they had a they had um uh, my mom got them cell phones once they were like in elementary school, middle school. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just mind boggling to me. Like, no, why? <laughs> uh, so exist, use them. 
This is Kristen, and um, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Conchas because, like I said, um, I did appreciate the story, the way it developed. I appreciate, I really appreciate the way the friend group came together, actually. Yeah, that was, that really was another. Okay, here's the thing it is a book full of um, lessons. Mm-hmm. And generally, I can appreciate that. Um, but I do feel like I was being like, what's the, what do I want to say? Not talked down to, um, Handheld. I guess maybe. Yeah. Um, and so, but I do, I did like the idea of all the lessons because there is a middle school or even sixth, a fifth, sixth grader who will get a lot out of this, of, mm-hmm. you know, self-awareness, self-respect, self-confidence, um, one of the biggest ones that I actually did appreciate was asking for help because yes. I, I, to this day have a problem asking for help. Oh, and same. the other, uh, the mother actually, um, was shown as being the person who was kind of, um, instilling that into dizzy because she's like, I'm an independent woman. I don't need help. I can get the door by myself. And so you see the Dizzy uh, actually kind of has the same attitude until she kind of learns that, hey, there's people in my life that can help me. And I there's no nothing bad about taking that help. So all these lessons, I think, are very valuable. But the way that they were packaged and presented, I did feel handheld. I felt I don't want to say talk down to, but whatever is below that. <laughs> and again, I'm an adult, so I'm not, I'm demographic. not the demographic, but that is honestly not an excuse because I'm somebody who says, um, defends to this day, YA does not mean for kids. It means all, I mean, not YA, all ages and not, does not mean just for kids. It means all freaking ages. And that means that all ages should be able to appreciate it. So, mm-hmm. um, and I actually am a huge fan of YA, um, but also another uh, another thing I'm thinking of, of the YA books that I was reading when I was a kid, freaking Go Ask Alice was in the YA section when I was a kid. I read that <laughs> like when I was 14, I was like, what? Like that, like that really opened my eyes uh, to a lot of stuff. Um, what is it? I was reading like Lovely Bones like as YA and stuff like I don't think they have that in the YA section anymore really or maybe they do I mean uh Twilight is in the YA section and there's all kinds of wrong with that yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so like that that's why I'm saying this seems like a little bit more middle-aged um yeah uh, instead story. of why so, two conchas uh from me so Sarah, you are much nicer you? than me <laughs> um well some of the points you guys hit i do uh, recognize as well so i mean i i i do like it but they're like you said some of the transitions were not something that i was like i don't know i, I know i'm gonna give it to conchas too those conchas, uh, only because of some of the transitions I felt were a bit lacking. But again, I feel like this had to do with like, maybe they didn't put out as many issues as they were originally maybe thinking of doing. And oh, yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. I think that that was s- some of the issue I feel because um, I feel like there would have been a more smoother transition. I mean, 
the characters were developed, but I feel like there like there were some things that were left unsaid. And so those conchas for me. So that has been our book review. All right, guys, now it's time for in La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? Oh, I got the goods. Ooh, give it to I got me. something good for y'all this time around. It's called Nether Realms, Whoa. a sci-fi non-binary erotic comics anthology. Mm. Strange, sexy tales from across the universe with characters who are non-binary or gender explorers. Um, I'm going to give the like synopsis that they have right here. Uh, from the Prism and Lambda Award-nominated publisher of Nectar and Ambrosia, trans, femme, and mask, and non-binary erotic comics, comes Nether Realms, sci-fi non-binary erotic comics anthology. Our theme is star-hot sex that explodes beyond our earthling understanding of body, gender, and self-identity. 15 strange, sexy tales from across the universe where each comic has at least one character who goes beyond the gender binary or explores gender in an interesting way. Read from the tethers of the nethers or delving into <laughs> them deeper than ever before. Let's hyper jump into future fucking hand in robotic hand. Oh my god. Our mission to boldly bang where no thems have boinged before. Wow. <laughs> in space, one. no one can hear you come. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this entire description immediately sold me on this. So uh they have um uh, a goal of $29,804. They are currently are like about halfway. They're at $14,000. Uh, and $63 with 366 backers and 26 days to go. Oh, wow. Yes. And so the price that they have uh, is in pounds, but they convert them. So right now, uh, you can always donate without ever expecting a reward. You just want to support it. But the base pledge starts at seven pounds, which is about uh, nine US dollars. Uh, it is the trans discount uh which is uh if you sit anywhere in the trans or non-binary spectrum here's a discounted copy of digital pdf we won't expect you to prove it and all details here are kept non-public for your safety <laughs> <laughs> and so at nine dollars you get the nether realms digital pdf and then there is the regular uh price uh, which is 11 pounds, which is about $13, $13, and it's just the digital PDF. Um, so then at 22 pounds or 26 US dollars, you get the paperback uh, with the PDF included. And then there is another $26, $22 pound one, uh, which is uh, you gifting the copy. Uh, so you get the digital PDF. Uh, but uh, Stranger gets a copy of the Nether Realms paperback. So oh, that's cool. That is really, really cool. Uh, and then at um, uh, 75 pounds, which is about 86 US dollars, you get a collection of four copies uh, of the Nether Realms or previous anthologies made by um, uh, this collective. And four digital PDFs of any of this one and, and any three others that they have published. 
Uh, there's a retailer incentive uh, and uh, there's two wholesale incentive ones. I'm not entirely sure why they listed them twice, but there's two options for that. Uh, but either way, so if you're trans or non-binary, uh, you can get it at $9. Uh, and if you're not, you can get it at, at $13. Or you can lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to judge. But uh, they did say that they were not going to make you prove it. But anyways, I think it's worth uh, pledging. And I think... It, the stories are interesting. It is definitely. Um, I wonder if this is the same people who did. Um, uh, what was that one like really sexy book that we read? That oh, this book is full of filth. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. I wonder if it, uh, I. I have to double check, but they have all of their contributors listed on here. They have synopsis for every single story that is going to be taking place, as well as a little bit of um. Uh, like preview art for it as well. Uh, one of them, actually their entire cover page one, I think they're kind of leaning into like the Mandalorian kind of look because <laughs> it, it's nice. It's yeah. real nice. And I'm just like, oh, I am interested. <laughs> so uh, Nether Realms uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, definitely check it out. It looks sexy AF. Nice. All right, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Today, I have a nonprofit organization called We Rise. Uh, we Rise is the signature experience of the broader Why We Rise public education campaign, which is a part of a national movement to transform the mental health system and expand access to resources, supporting the well-being of individuals and communities through community-led initiatives. Originally, uh, this organization was incubated at the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health, and it's now in its fifth year, and We Rise 2022 is evolving into an independent, grassroots, community-driven initiative that enjoys widespread support from public and private funding partners. And um, throughout the year, they participate in different um, events, and uh, we actually saw them tabling at um, the Tia Chucha event that we went to in... Um, Pomona? Pomona. Pomona. Pomona? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also sponsor a queer resource fair, um, wellness circle, healing circles. They have community open mics, writing to heal, which is, if you guys remember, Mujeres de Maíz um is uh has been uh formed under that program um they have bridging wellness which is the art arts council in long beach um and then they also do um a grow food workshop with self-help self-help graphics um and um all kinds of interesting programs i mean the the list goes on and on of all the amazing things that they do in the communities um, all around health and wellness of uh, marginalized groups. So you can find out more information at whywerise.la. Yes, um, actually, it's so crazy because we we got totes from the Tia Chucha and Pomona event that just happened just recently this past year. And then I went to work at my boss's um, home in Torrance today, and she also had a We Rise tote. Oh, and she cool. said she got it at uh, uh, Long Beach, like 
I think there's a place in Long Beach where you could do yoga, like uh-huh. by the beach. Uh-huh. And they they she got her tote there. So they're all around LA and they're spreading out their message. And I think that's so pretty, so just amazing. Um, mental health through art. And there's a lot of stuff you can actually purchase on their website. So check that out. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out to uh yuri casco yuri casco is uh one of the half one of the parts of the half of am i saying that right one part of half of (laughs) one half one half (laughs) thank you guys uh one half of ync comics and they have a youtube channel and they you could also follow them on instagram at uh, ync comics and they basically have like an internet store where you could purchase whatever books they have because they do a lot of like curating of comic books and also they have a youtube channel where they go to conventions and put out comic book reviews and videos a lot of uh, of it centering uh, around uh, geek culture and comic book collecting uh, most recently they're going to post a video on the d23 event they were able to go to that so i can't wait to see their youtube channel when they come out with their new um new content but also Kristen why are we saludando a Yuri well Yuri is a uh association for healthcare philanthropy 2022 40 under 40 winner um she is a philanthropy manager at Advantage Health White Memorial um charitable foundation and she is a winner because she helped manage and execute Adventist Health White Memorial's first capital campaign to build a new $220 million hospital to meet California's seismic mandate. The foundation exceeded its campaign goal, securing $30.1 million from the community and $100 million in federal government funding. She's created innovative, culturally appropriate planned giving programs to engage and educate Latino donors. And she's identified more than $6 million in deferred gifts from 2014 to 2021. And this is super interesting. And I'm like so proud of Yuri. And I'm like so uh Grateful to have learned this information about her because all we know her as is a little nerd comic girl. But <laughs> she is the first Latina president of AFP's Greater Los Angeles chapter in its whole entire 35-year history. Wow. wow. That is freaking amazing. Congrats, Yuri. Yes, she is amazing, AF. And uh, I mean, to know that she has such a such a huge responsibility and such a an amazing like title in her work life and for her to be like a regular like comic book <laughs> nerd and collector is just yeah. like wow. Um yeah. so like it's just amazing. We're out there everywhere, guys a comic book aficionado. She was also interviewed in a segment on Univision Channel 34 in LA. Um, So there's a lot of like um, reporting on her amazing achievements. So that's why estamos saludando hoy a Yuri Casco from YNC Comics and saying hello to her little family because she has an amazing family. We love to watch them. And because of the pandemic, we haven't gotten together in a while, but uh, it's always great to see them at conventions and they always come and say hello. And sometimes we have like a beer afterwards or we have tacos. So it's always great. 
They're all mm-hmm. really amazing people. Check them out, YNC Comics on Instagram and also YNC Comics on YouTube. All right, guys, it brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, Kristen? You can find us and all the information you need to know about finding us on social media at comadrecomics.com. Absolutely. You can always email us at comadrecomics at gmail.com. Please do not forget we're on all social media platforms. I think all of them. I'm going to say all. I feel, I feel <laughs> All confident. the ones that matter. Yes, I'm going to feel confident in that answer. Um, and also don't forget we have a YouTube channel where we do amazing interviews we haven't done anything in a while but we're gonna be trying to bring more content to our YouTube channel but uh, we have amazing interviews with amazing creators local creators uh, creators of color um, and it's just great because all of them have a different origin story and a lot of different um, uh, advice and also a lot of different methods to how they execute their projects so If you're interested in learning more about that, please definitely like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the end of this episode. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.